opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to another broadcast of Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed as I broadcast from behind the enemy lines are called USA Inc. It is, what is today? Today is February 9th, 2021 on this Tuesday evening. I hope that my voice, those listening under the sound of my voice right now, are safe and secure in their homes and in their persons. You know, we are dealing with a pandemic right now, and a lot of people are still dying. They're they're not rolling out the vaccines as smoothly as what they thought they might. So it's just a lot to be careful of. Well, tonight we're going to have, I guess I'll call this a community conversation on transgender girls and sports. Um, And why do I think this is a topic for Black Talk Radio News? Well, this isn't the first time that we have talked about transgender issues on this program. In the past, I've had guests on to talk about violence against trans people, um, which particularly in places like Atlanta is very high. And that's a problem. So I am no stranger uh, to these issues, but... This is a conversation that I am new to, and I've spent the past couple of days trying to educate myself on the science. See, I'm not interested in having religious conversations. I'm not interested in hearing emotional debates about things. I'm interested in the science. So I hope to moderate this community discussion on the issue of transgender women and and as one of my guests will has pointed out to me, definitions are important. And that's something I've always said on our program. If we're not working from the same definition of a word, then we're not going to be on the same page because we got two different definitions for the same word. So trans, when we're speaking tonight of transgender women, we're talking about male to female transitions. We're not talking female to male transitions, which would be a transgender male. We're talking about transgender women, and specifically girls. And so we want to talk about that in the context of sports, given that the U.S. government and a number of states seem poised to pass laws allowing transgender girls to participate in girls' sports leagues, parents and community members are legitimately questioning whether or not trans girls have a physical advantage over cis girls. That's that's girls who were born girls and with all the lady parts. And so that is what, what we want to talk about tonight. Um, I think what kind of sparked this conversation on social media is this story that I want to share with you. Uh, real quick, when I started noticing people talking about it, because this is, isn't something that's regularly on my radar, but I have noticed on social media, people were posting this article about trans, I'm going to read the article, it's from the Washington first and second at Connecticut Girls Indoor Track Championships. So again, we're talking and I think for the purpose of this conversation, and we'll get into that later, 
But for me, I'm focused on high school and middle school sports, not focused on elementary school children participating in sports. I'm not talking about even those who are in professional sports because you've had some uh, trans transsexual women participate in the MMA. Um, I believe that person's name is Fox Fallon or Fallon Fox who, who broke the uh, eye socket. I mean, busted it up real good, fractured the eye sockets of two cis women um, that um, Fallon was fighting and then split another one's skull. Okay. And, and so that happened in professional MMA, which may not be regulated like international sports. And there are some countries who are looking at this issue and trying to come up with a formula to where cis women are not disadvantaged. And, and so we'll get into all of that. But first, let me go ahead and bring in my guest. I'm going to share their, their full names. Um, but our first person, your mic is open, Ariel. Um, for full disclosure, Ariel is my daughter. Um, Ariel um, is in her 30s now, um, and she can share what else she want to share in her opening comments. But Ariel, do we have you? Can you hear me okay? I hear you. I'm here. What's up, everyone? You don't know me. I am um, activist part of a group called East African Coalition for Freedom and Justice. Okay. And let me go to Roshan and see if Roshan can hear you okay because you're coming in kind of low on my end. Roshan. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Were you able to hear Kaylee okay? Yes, I was able to uh, hear, hear her fine. Good, good. Yeah. All right. So, but, um, so, Roshan, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, and thank you for coming on tonight. Of course. I appreciate being invited on. Um, but just a little about myself. Uh, my name is Roshan McClendon. Um, I'm part of an organization called Gas and County Freedom Fighters. Uh, I'm a leadership of public relations. I'm also in um, coming on just simply as an ally of the trans community to just have this dialogue. It is a good conversation to have, especially on a black pa- uh, platform, just feeling like these conversations just don't get brought up enough in our community. But I just would like to preface the conversation by saying, while I am an ally, uh, none of us involved in this conversation do have the experiences of trans individuals. So we're coming in uh, simply with like our research and our experiences, uh, noting that we are all cis. But you know, I'm, once again, I'm just happy to be here to have the conversation. All right, thank you, thank you for that. Um, and so again, let me once again set the parameters for this conversation, um, because while anyone can call in, so let me get the call in number. Anybody who wants to call in can do so. Um, 626-213-5779, Uh If any trans people are listening and they want to chime in, they are more than welcome. I'll just ask that you let us get the conversation started first. Now, to what you said, Roshan, about none of us on here having those experiences or being transsexual, 
I don't think that's really relevant to the conversation because we're parents. I don't know about you. I know Ariel is a parent, and I'm obviously a parent um, and a grandfather, okay? And then, you know, not that you even had to have a child, but you are concerned, you have concerns about things that may happen in your community. So I think everybody can speak on these type of issues. And, and what we're talking about is transgender girls in sports, because a lot of parents have concerns about whether their cis girls are being disadvantaged and losing out on opportunities because of the rise of trans women, or I should say girls, because I'm particularly focusing on high school. So let me say this, and, and then I'll go to each and every, uh, both of you and anyone else who calls in. Um, now, as I stated, I'm a father. I raised uh, three girls. Um, two lived in my household. They were active in sports. Through the elementary school, through their elementary school years, they participated. I guess what would you call it? Intramural or mixed gender sports? Because boys and girls, um, you know, play sports together when they're that young. When I was playing little league baseball in, in Detroit in the seventies, girls were on these baseball teams. So I feel I feel like there is no advantage. When we're dealing with children, that young children have have not hit puberty. So I'll go to you, Kaylee. What are your thoughts? Do you think Um, it's an issue in elementary school sports? um, I do not think that it is, um, as far as strength goes, a, a difference at all when it comes to children. Not young, especially because they're just learning the sport. They're learning what it is to be athletic. They're learning the game. So I think that, uh, again, my issue comes where the competition matters. As far as middle school, high school, um, that's when colleges are looking at you. That's when you do AAU. And, um, I think it is I think it is unfair because again it already hard enough for females to make it in this world and then to have something that is our own as far as sports I mean you already have men's sports and you have girls sports it's established it's it's never going to be erased and so when you allow a trans woman to play it's it's like you're erasing what the whole competition of what it really is of women's sports because that also gives other men ideas and some, some parents ideas to turn their boys into girls to, because they can be better and have an advantage in sports to get a scholarship or to get noticed or to become noticed. And I've read up on the Alone, as far as like the differences between the bodies, as far as a male and female, and I mean, there is. It's plenty. I mean, your brain, your lungs are bigger, men's lungs are bigger, their heart is bigger, the body is bigger, the muscles are leaner, the bones are denser. I read a study um, in Utah University. They had um, 18 girls, 18 men, and they did this um, this exercise, 
And they all had them do a swinging punch motion. Now, when you mention that fight, that's what made me think of it. Because on average, these, even the weakest man swings 116 times harder percentage compared to a female. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're fine. Um, it's just, I just find it is a disadvantage. On top of that, girls start their menstrual cycle, and then we have to deal with that within sports, which is also a disadvantage because, unfortunately, when that cycle comes, you're not able to play to your best ability. And I don't think it's fair to sit here and allow trans women to play sports that doesn't even experience that, in my opinion. That's just how I feel personally. It's not fair. Okay. Let's go to let's go to Roshan. Um, Roshan, I'm gonna ask you the same question. Do you see it as an issue with boys, girls, or trans girls or trans boys competing with each other when they are prepubescent, like before they hit puberty um, in elementary school? Um, uh, good question. Um, not only do I not see a problem with it uh, pre-pubescent, under like most average uh, average situations, I wouldn't even say even past puberty for these reasons. One, just so we're familiar what we're talking about here, uh, I think that we need to understand the difference between sex and gender. I think that's a very those are two very different things to discover. Sex is more so in the term those terminologies of fail, uh, male and female. Gender itself is a social construct, and that's something someone can either identify as uh, their assigned gender at birth or transition, which trans, uh, trans women or trans girls or trans men and trans boys tend to do. They transition out of the uh, gender they're assigned, of, uh, assigned as. But to attack the question, of course, uh, you know, across the board, um, uh, young boys and girls, uh, tend to just play along the same uh, same line as as well as uh, potential, as well as uh, physical capabilities. I believe that's a known uh, that's just across the board universally accepted. But once you get into the concept of say puberty, um, the body does start changing in uh, various ways depending on the sex of the individual. Now, when you go to gender, of course, uh, one thing that was mentioned was kind of um, um, the growing of the body, uh, male bodies tend to grow larger, the heart, the, bo- um, the limbs, and things of that nature. One thing that kind of gets overlooked in, in, uh, when you're talking about sports is not every sport uh, lends itself to certain advantages. Just because you're very tall doesn't That's mean a good you're point. going to be, yes, uh, the best swimmer or any other sport you can imagine. Sometimes it just defaults to that individuals particular genetics and their makeup some people are just born thicker and and fuller in mass uh and that's where you kind of default once again to something i hear a lot is about testosterone and one thing that i think needs to get highlighted when you talk about testosterone is um nine times out of ten when we're talking about uh athletes that transition prior um they're usually they're usually in professional sports, especially like a, a wait period, a grace period, where when someone goes through HRT, which is a hormone replacement therapy, 
either from t- uh, testosterone to estrogen or estrogen to uh, testosterone, their body is going to experience those changes. Like um, the soft, if uh, when a transgendered uh, athlete goes from, uh, excuse me, from uh, uh, identifying as a female, when they start taking estrogen, their testosterone is being replaced. Their skin is softening. Um, they're going to start experiencing things like decreasing uh, uh, body mass. Um, uh, I've seen various interviews where transgendered uh, female, uh, excuse me, uh, women athletes have actually discussed how they feel like their potential in terms of athletically-wise diminished when they started taking estrogen because they felt like their capabilities have dampened. So that's why I kind of hold that stance of across the board, as long as we set very, very light and um, very light restrictions in terms of uh, how we look at testosterone, uh, body development, I don't think there's much cause to really separate transgender athletes into their own leagues or however the case is. Okay. Now, one of the things you brought up is known as feminizing hormone therapy. And specifically, again, let me frame the conversation. We're talking specifically transgender girls in sports. Let me let me ask this question before I move on. Um, because I, while this isn't a topic that I normally focus on, I do read the news and I see news stories. And let's go with the high school wrestling champ in Texas is a mm-hmm. trans girl. Okay. These track athletes, again, I'm talking high school. I'm not talking college or beyond. I'm talking high school, okay? um, These track athletes, I'm seeing these champions be trans women. I'm not seeing any trans boys, which is someone who was born with female genitalia and is transitioning to become a male, male genitalia. I'm not seeing them having the same success in male sports that we're seeing trans women have in women's sports. I may be, I may not be aware of any. I personally think that it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous and you would be risking. That's life risking to me, in my opinion, but living in quote unquote in a man's world, I don't think that it would ever happen, which is why I feel like they'll pass a bill to, to now allow people who are transitioning sex to play from boy to girl to play in the women's league. But as far as it happening in the men's league, I highly doubt it'll ever happen. I don't know well, if anything's if possible. I could, but I'm right, just saying right. I haven't seen I haven't seen the same examples on the men's side as I'm seeing on the women's side when it comes to um, trans uh, athletes. Sure, Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I would love to but, see a female wide receiver on the field. But I, I would think that's indicative uh, to two things. One, um, just uh, mainly how people are viewing this conversation. Notice uh, through the entirety of like, just even when the particular situation happened on Facebook happened, very rarely was the topic of trans men uh, in sports really brought up, and that's predominantly because the main 
the main narrative around trans athletes is rooted in this transphobic idea that trans women aren't women. And that's one thing that I think needs to be a staple when you're, uh, that needs to be discussed when you're uh, trying to set proper terms or trying to uh, come to this dialogue, because we can't get to the point of, okay, why can trans women be in sports with cis women when we're all, I already have to stop you at, you keep saying trans women in women's sports. I'm saying I stop you there because trans women are women. Right there, Roshan. Because it seems like, you know, I'm not the smartest person, but it seems like you just called me transphobic because of the terms I used. That's what it sounds like to me. You just called me transphobic for using the terms in words that I did not create, okay? Trans women refer to themselves as trans women. Do they not? Of course. Absolutely. So I didn't make up these words, and I also... We have to also be truthful. Let's be truthful and acknowledge that there is a difference in the chromosomes. You mentioned, what did you mention earlier? Genetics, um, that there is a difference. Like there's no difference between trans women and cis women. If there was no difference, we wouldn't even have these different, different terms, but I mean, well, how can well if if, if I could stop you there so we could sure 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 one I just I just want to elaborate um one I wasn't indicating about anyone's uh, necessarily like beliefs around trans issues what I'm always talking about of course is just the greater conversation I'm not attributing anything to you we've had various conversations about numerous things uh, I I myself wouldn't consider myself very uh, strongly versed necessarily about trans issues or trans activism around the board. But when you talk about the conversation of, oh, well, there's clearly a difference between trans women and cis women, or we we wouldn't have this conversation. I think what you're falling back to when you discuss things like chromosome, genetic makeup, and things of that nature, you're talking about sex. And sex, uh, the binary of sex, rather, is male or female, and that's something where that's a larger conversation. But when you denote things so, like, um, um, quick sorry. thing, are you saying female and woman are no longer have the same meaning? What I'm saying is that female and male are terms that refer to sex, and man and exactly. woman refer and to woman. And those, is but based those things aren't connected. So, so, so they're do not they the not use, I'm sorry, but do they not refer to themselves as trans women and trans men? Yes, that is correct. So what, what are they referring to? What are they referring to? Sure, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, I think I'm really glad we kind of stumbled onto this point. Uh, what I, to the overarching stance I take, and I think this is universally true, just in, in terms of backed by science, there is a distinction between gender and sex. One does not equate to the other. Sex, like I said, goes back to chromosomes, genet- genetic makeup, and that science is founded in the uh, binary of male and female. Uh, gender, rather, is a social construct that um, simply is just something uh, universal um, traits, uh, mannerisms, and behavior that we express as an indication of what gender we choose to pick. 
that's why you'll have um uh you'll have people who kind of uh discuss basically oh what is what are the traits of a woman what are the traits of a man but all these traits are completely cultural culturally based there are cultures okay, so, that oh, uh, semantics we're talking semantics sorry? here we're talking semantics yeah, yeah. so i sure, will sure, sure. change the title from transgender girls to transsexual girls would would that would that fix that right there no what i what rather what i'm saying is you had it right the first time trans oh. so sex so so gender these people are trans transitioning in gender their gender right. identity is is the topic of discussion is they identify well as actually that's trans- not the topic of discussion Roshan Again, okay. let me set the parameters. We're ta- sure, we're sure, not sure. talking we're not talking transsexual men. We're not we're only talking about transsexual girls participating or competing against cis women. If I'm saying that correctly, side women or cis women. That's what we, this is a narrow focus. And the reason I brought up the fact that. You don't hear about transsexual men, that's females transitioning to males um, in sports. You don't hear talking about talked about is, number one, I don't think that there's many of them who are attempting to participate in the sports. There may be some, but I'm not aware of them. Um, there have been certainly none who have captured national attention like these two transsexual girls up in Connecticut who just finished one and two in the track meet. So that's what, that's what I'm talking about. The parents concern, the parents concern is whether or not transsexual girls or transgender girls have an advantage over cis girls. And I would like to, since we already established that that shouldn't even be an issue prepubescent when we're talking very young children who are already competing against each other in organized sports. But I'm focused specifically on middle school and high school. Of course. And we can have that specific conversation. Like I, like I mentioned to you before, it, and you mentioned at the top of this broadcast, it's just understanding what we're discussing in terms of terminology. So when okay. we say trans, transsexual versus transgender, you're using those interchangeably. But what I'm saying is um, these individuals aren't transitioning in sex. They're transitioning in gender. What's happening is they're having their, their secondary sex characteristics resemble that of the op- opposing gender. That I think that's that's where um so, that's where you kind of get so, into the argument, and that's the purpose. Ariel, let me just because I like to do this because as I mentioned before, I have conversations or debates with people using words, and then they're using a definition for that word that I have never heard of before. So if I'm working off of Webster's dictionary and you're working off of a book somebody wrote and changed the definition, how are we going to be on the same page? So in the terms of gender, um, the dictionary says either of the two sexes, male and female, especially when considered with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. 
The term is also used more broadly to denote a range of identities that do not correspond to established ideals of male and female. Okay, a, a, for example, a sentence, use it in a sentence, a condition that affects people of both genders. So it, it just seems to me, you know, Roshan, that there you, the dictionaries using gender and sex interchangeably too. Sure, sure. And um, it's just under, um, and why I do appreciate you, like like you said, basing this in whatever evidence that you have to you, and I'm doing exactly the same. My point is, um, it's very obvious that these conversations are very new to the public, at least, especially yes. to our community. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of these terms that we're very familiar with, um, we're very familiar with having particular meaning are changing because the conversation's changing and more voices are um, being represented in the dialogue. And that's where you'll see some people sometimes get frustrated. They're saying, well, I thought this was the definition of man and this is the definition of a woman and using terms interchangeably. And I, I, what I'm saying is for the better part of this, uh, for the better part of history, certain voices just weren't, weren't represented. We couldn't have a dialogue about um, trans girls in sports because the topic wouldn't even been brought up. So while right. I do understand that some people feel that fatigue with trying to uh, what they feel like change their uh, change their definition around things. It's not necessarily hiding the ball or trying to um, mislead people. It's just simply trying to update those terms so we can be more inclusive and. Um, fully understand uh, the relationships around sex and around gender. I think that's, that's where the, um, that, that first bridge needs to be laid out. And that's why I'm really glad you were able to, um, I guess, communicate that across effectively to the audience. Yeah. And again, Uh, well, Ariel, before you do that, let me give both of you kudos for coming on the program and having this conversation. This isn't the first conversation that's been had on the Black Talk Radio Network or Black Talk Radio News. Um, this, But I feel like this is a topic that is taboo in the black community. We don't want to talk about it. Um, another one is I don't use the term black on black crime, but because we haven't updated our language on that, for those that don't know, mm. Scotty Reed doesn't use the term black on black crime. He uses the term intra-community violence because most people go. live people who look like themselves and most crime is committed by people who look like each other all right against each other so i call it intra-community violence that's another taboo subject that i find that a lot of people in my field of of podcasting and radio don't want to have a conversation about so let me just commend both of you for coming on and having this conversation go ahead ariel I just want to also say that, you know, it doesn't only affect the LGBT community. Like, you know, when you you read about those things, you think about girls who worked really, really hard. And I just want – I'm concerned for those who are being – who are coming in third and fourth place, you know, um, to a person that has transitioned their gender and is now – consider a woman or female, 
I just feel like how does that mess with their psychological, their psychological, and how does it mess with them emotionally as far as does it damage their confidence and whatnot? Again, women already try, you know, they do they work hard to be where they are and then to to come in second place. It's just like I'm curious to know how does it how do you think it affects as far as their confidence and their mental. Sure. Um, I mean, my main retort would be, of course, with uh, two things. One, I think when you're uh, talking about just the mental wherewithal of that, we have to also have to think about uh, the trans individuals in their situation where they're actively being discriminated against, even if not by the rules, by those who they're competing with, with as well as against. And understanding just the experience, uh, at least from what's been told to me as a trans person, often in terms in, uh, involves like uh, intercommunal violence, um, internal issues in terms of mental health is with like body dysphoria in the case they can't fully transition and things of that nature. And um, secondly, even if we take take the argument at face value that, oh, hey, it might, it, I, we don't know if it's proper for uh, trans individuals to uh, compete as the sex they identify or amongst the sex, uh, excuse me, gender rather, they uh, identify with. Uh, There's a a situation in Texas where uh, Mac Begg is a trans man, uh, just to clarify for the audience, that's a female that transitioned to a male, or excuse me, a man that transitioned, a woman that transitioned to a man rather. Correct, right. And, Due, due to the rules uh, of um, the uh, competition in their county, they're not allowed to compete with the other young boys, which means they're, compa- uh, they're competing against cis women. Wait a minute. Are Wait a minute, Rosemary. Clarification, clarification. Okay, we can't use boys and men interchangeably because boys biologically are a lot different than, than men. So is this person competing in boys' sports, or are they competing or barred from competing in men's sports? So they are at the high school level. I believe they're around okay. the sophomore or junior year. So they're they're post puberty, I guess you could say. Now that's crazy. That is straight up discrimination because you allowing in Texas a a trans woman to compete. In wrestling, and this person has won the state championship at least twice. So how can in the same twice. state you prevent a trans uh, a, a trans man from competing in the sport that he identifies with in the gender? That that doesn't seem right. That's confusing. Right. Not right. But, but they're not going to allow it to happen. But I'm saying it's indicative to that point where. Just in the difference of counties, you're getting two very staunch realities. One reality is people saying you you have to compete with the gender you're assigned at birth, and that's okay. the situation with Matt Begg, where if we really stick to that rule, you're going to experience that same that same um, that same experience. So that's, that's, a rule they, that's a rule they have in that particular county. Because again, at yes. the state, in the state, okay, now I understand. So the wrestler is in a different county under different rules than of this course, other yes. person you're telling us about. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So right when, 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 
talking about um, trans individuals in athletics, you're going to see that stark contrast or what, what is to believe, I, in my opinion, I will say, most of these stories make headlines because of the conversation around trans athletes, when in reality there are probably numerous situations that happen every day where uh, cis athletes beat out trans athletes. It just doesn't make the news simply because of the, the, the larger conversation or narrative around it. But what I will say about those cases is then you can't simply say, uh, you can't just to uh, double down on this, you can't simply say um, all athletes have to uh, compete with the uh, gender they're assigned with birth because then you have those situations on the opposite side. So I think mm-hmm. the better conversation to have, rather, is um, around what truly, what truly um, gives people advantages in terms of uh, uh, competing. And that's, like I said, goes back to uh, just uh, variance in body structure. And that's something that you can just never fix or correct in terms of athletes. Uh, uh, people just come in different shapes and sizes, regardless of gender. Uh, so when you're ta- having that conversation, in order to remove that discrepancy, you're ultimately removing what makes uh, competing athletics competition. Okay. Um let me take a station identification break, and I want to uh, share some of my research of what I found and why I am concerned about cis girls. I ain't talking about women. I'm talking about girls, particularly middle school and high school uh, girls competing against trans girls, okay? And um, we'll talk about that, get into some of that research I found on the other side of this station identification break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio. Since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Okay, so welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. The telephone number, if you would like to call in with a question or comment, is 626-213-5779. 79. One of the things Ariel had mentioned about how cis girls might feel about losing out on opportunities and that article that I mentioned um, about these two Connecticut um, uh, track athletes finishing one and two trans girls in high, high school, one of the girls that was interviewed for this article expressed the same disappointment same depression, same concerns about missed opportunities as Ariel was just expressing. So, again, my purpose of this program is to facilitate conversation around this issue. Um, Simply picking a side without having conversations and seeing where each side is coming from is not going to solve any problems, okay, and that the only way that we can solve some of these problems and prevent misunderstandings and to also enhance people's understandings is to have these conversations. 
These conversations don't happen when you start name calling people and saying they, you know, are this, that, and the other simply because they have a different view from you or they don't know how to express themselves in your world, okay, in the world, in the circles in which you move, all right? So, so again, I want to thank, thank you, too, for coming on. Now, here is an excerpt from this article, and I'm just going to read this excerpt. Joanna Harper, she is a medical, uh, what, what is this, physicist? I didn't know they had medical physicists. Uh, and transgender runner from Portland, Oregon. And she says the issue isn't simple. She believes there needs to be a standard based on hormone levels. Let me read this. Until hormone therapies begin to work, genetic males have a distinct advantage over genetic females, she said. Most transgender teens don't begin hormone therapy until after puberty. Younger teens can be on puberty blocking drugs, but puberty is very individualized and testosterone levels can vary greatly from one transgender girl to another, she said. The gender identity doesn't matter. It's the testosterone levels, said Harper, who studies transgender athletes. Trans girls should have the right to compete in sports, but side-gender girls should have the right to compete and succeed, too. How do you balance that? That's the question. And that's the question that I'm asking tonight. That's the question that I see other parents asking. I'm not, that's why I prefaced the, the start of this this um, broadcast by saying I'm not interested in your religious point of views. I'm not realist, uh, uh, interested in your emotional point of views. I want to look at this from fact-based in using science. And so before I even read that part right there, I was doing research on transgender hormone therapy, male to female, trans women, or trans girls. And some of these drugs that you take, um, like I think Rashawn mentioned and other people mentioned to me, a decreased muscle mass and strength, okay? Now, again, that I agree with what this trans athlete just said, and I think, Rashawn, you made the point that this is very individualized. You, you just can't – this is not a one-size – Fit all. You have to look at the individual and, and look at this on an individual case. Now, what I was thinking was, okay, we want we we want trans girls to be able to compete in high school, but we don't want them to have an advantage over cis girls. So, to me, when it's talking about drugs taking a a, a year to three years. Uh, this one talking about redistribution of body fat can take up to five years, okay? And before you have gotten the maximum effect of what you're trying to do through the use of this hormone therapy, then to me, then, like what this trans athlete was saying, then testosterone levels need to be set. There needs to be a standard, okay? Because a regular, um, how should I say this? A person like me, a cis male, 
on average, our restaurant in the units that they measure is a seven. For most females, it's a one. That's a tremendous advantage. And that's the reason why I believe we have gender sports to begin with. It's because males with their higher to restaurant. To, I'm probably butchering the word, but y'all know what I'm trying to say. Um, are, are higher. Their bone structure is denser. Their muscles are heavier. And then, I, you know, I was thinking, okay, if we're going to allow this, then they have to be on these therapies to where their 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 biological advantages are eliminated and brought to the same levels of cis women. That's the, and again, we're talking sports. We ain't talking anything else. We're talking sports. We don't want. Any, I believe in justice. And as as someone else said, justice is where. No one is being mistreated, and everybody who needs help gets help. And we're not we're not framing it in gender. We're not framing it in sex. Justice is where no one is mistreated, and everyone gets the help that they need. That's what I feel like a, a, a system based on justice will will work like. And I feel like it's a detriment to this conversation. And I'm not talking about us three. But it's a detriment to the national conversation when we can't sit down and have these non-emotional conversations with each other and just acknowledge the facts. So I guess I'll I'll go to Ariel first. What do you think about what this this um, this? Uh, let me pull her name up. Joanna Harper, a medical physicist and transgender runner. Uh, from Portland, Oregon, who studies, you know, uh, trans athletes, says about testosterone levels. What are your thoughts? Would you be comfortable if that person had been on that hormone therapy and they had the same testosterone levels as you? Well, at a high school level, that would be kind of hard to say because if it takes up to five years, your testosterone starts at a seven and mine is at a one. You got to be on that. You got to be on that. You can't just go. Yeah, five years, just, Ariel, just to give you the information, five years is on the high end. Most of these therapies take a year to two. Okay, so a year to two. So you you would literally have to be on it for a year or two. You can't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to play sports. So, I mean, it, it it would take a lot, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of, like, things that they would have to check off and to make sure that it is what it is. But, I mean, a lot of times I, I personally feel like, well, when I was in school, I don't know now, I've been out of school 10 years, you didn't see that happening. A lot of people transitioned during 16, 17. Never, you never really seen right. 10-year-olds. Well, I think that's, that's a medical old. reason for that. First of all, these drugs are very dangerous. They have mood-changing effects. Again, you know, everybody don't experience the same side effects. But from what I was reading about this hormone therapy, it is very dangerous. Okay, 
And I believe that, like she mentions, that most of these these young people don't transition until after puberty. I believe that's for medical reasons, that it might harm them if they take them before puberty. So so you're saying as long as the conceptual level is the same, then they should be able to compete against side women. Um, yeah, as long as your testosterone level is the same. I mean, I'm no scientist, but I mean, I know it just, like I said, nobody's body is the same, but still, like, I'm always going to, I'm always going to be biased because I'm a female. Like if I lost to someone that I didn't feel was the same as me, then I'm just going to feel like it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. Like that's just, that's just me personally. Well, like, a lot of girls are seeing that. A cis female that I don't lose. I didn't lose. In my brain, I didn't. Well, this one girl mentioned in this article, and I'm going to go to Rashawn. Um, this one girl, let me see if I can find that particular excerpt. Um, she came in like eighth place, and she said that, again, the, the trans athletes took one and two. And she said that if it wasn't for those two, then she would be running in the state. She would have advanced to the state. So as a side girl, she's feeling some kind of way about this. She's feeling like they had an advantage. And so there it is. Um, Roshan, what are your thoughts on what this trans runner uh, athlete from Portland, Oregon, Joanna Harper, um, had to say about that we don't need to worry about gender, that we need to be setting testosterone standards? Um, I actually 100% agree with that, um, mainly because um, one phenomenon that we always don't think about, uh, and you kind of highlighted this before, you said we need to think about individuals as, as opposed to broad terms because part of the reason why it's been so hard for trans visibility to get this far is because trans individuals overall, just in totality, make up a very, very small, I would probably say akin to maybe 1%, that's being very generous, 1% of just our, of the global population. So when you get down to a specific generation, a specific class, uh, class of athletes, you're, you're going to see that sparse representation just simply because of the, the, uh, the size of, of that class of people. But I'm 100% in favor of setting just testosterone level uh, requirements in terms of that, mainly because uh, one of the variances we don't consider is there are uh, women who actually uh, produce testosterone uh, through that just that variance of uh, – sorry, let me clarify. There's actually uh, cis women who pro- uh, produce testosterone, which then you can argue if you're worried about the testosterone levels of trans women – and they have just as much right to compete as cis women, then you have to take in those. It's a genetic disorder, though, and it's rare in women. It's really rare. There is an athlete, there is a world-class athlete that falls under what he's talking about. I believe her name is Selmic something. She's a South African uh, long-distance runner. When I say long-distance, I'm talking like 400 meters, 200 meters. I'm not talking like, you know, marathon runner or anything like that. And her biological structure is somewhat intersex 
For those that don't know what intersex means, means that you have the characteristics of both male and females. Um, I think an uh, old term they used to use was what? Uh, amorphodite? Um, something like that to, to describe someone who had characteristics of both sexes, born naturally that way. And I believe that's the case with Selmic. Um, I can't think of her last name right now, but I'm positive she's the South African runner. And she does have naturally producing um, high terrestrial uh, levels. And so they are talking about putting her on drugs to lower those levels to even out the field in international competition. So I just wanted to, to give a real-world example of what Rashawn's talking about. But, again, that's the only individual I know of that would fall in under that spectrum. Right. So, but that, that's why I agree with her point on rather set, setting those metrics for uh, testosterone levels. And, of course, that's going to be something very hard to um, implement on the high school level in the middle school level, I'll be honest, me personally, I just don't see the competition at the middle school level rising to the same significance as high school and college because you start you start thinking about the um, the uh, scholarships and uh, financial backing. And one thing that's very important is, of course, making sure that everyone, athlete or otherwise, has those opportunities to get that fine uh, that financial backing in in case they would like to. Uh, uh, go on to higher education and things of that nature. So I'd be in Yes. Why, why do you think it would be hard to implement these rules in testing to make sure? Um, I would think it would be quite fairly simple because of the point that you made that these individuals are very, very small percentage of the general population. So I think that if you said, I mean, it's already being done, Roshan, in some other countries. They've already recognized this, and they are testing. So I, if I think that it, it would be hard to implement the rules, I don't think it would be hard because that's a hard thing to do. I think it would be hard because of people's attitudes and, and, and um, beliefs that they have. And them not wanting to do it, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, and uh, actually, you brought up a good point. Some really strong examples. I guess I was more so thinking in, um, just thinking in, like, say, uh, my my background. I understand the living in Gaston County, which is more predominantly uh, where these topics are more, more taboo and more conservative uh, leaning. Uh, this is more conservative leaning county. I just don't – I just uh, imagine that that we wouldn't even get that far in the conversation to where we can implement such a structure. But if we got to a point where we're having more of the conversations like we're having now and we're familiarizing people with the proper terms and we're making it most importantly comfortable for uh, people in the LGBT plus community to discover their identity and come out as that, I think uh, we, we'd see uh, like – amazing progress and amazing results from that. Of course, you're always going to have those those situations where not everyone is going to feel ha- happy about the outcomes of races or competitions, things of that nature. And I think that just blatantly falls falls down to that, the, you know, the situation that um, what competition is founded on where 
there are just going to be people who are more successful than others. Yeah, that's that's true. But I do believe, though, you know, like they have the anti-doping uh, in sports, we should try to make the, the playing field as level as possible for everyone. Um, well, it, it was something else I wanted to uh, bring up. And you're absolutely right about Gaston County and the nature of this county and what have you. But, you know, we have to have people who are willing to have these conversations and push these conversations. You you know for yourself that it's people that don't want to have conversations about racism in our county. But that's not going to stop us from pushing the issue. And so I would say the same to uh, people who find themselves in this trans issue as it relates to high school sports in Gaston County. Now, it was, oh, I, I remember what it was. Now, another thing you brought up, Rashawn, that I think also falls under, we have to judge this on an individual basis, right, is certain sports, I feel like, um, to, re- to testosterone or not, that they wouldn't have an advantage. You know what I'm saying? It depends on the sport for it. Yeah. So, like, like, for example, I don't think it would be an issue in something like volleyball. Um, but then we have to look at, let's say, swimming. Now, males biologically do have a larger lung capacity, and that can aid you in swimming. Okay, so again, do we then fall back on to to testosterone levels or do we acknowledge, you know, that this person might have an advantage? What I'm saying is I don't have all the answers, but I got plenty of questions and I'm willing to ask those questions. And I hope it's people out there that can answer them. Ariel, did you have any more thoughts? I think, you know, we pretty much have um, done pretty well in terms of... um, No, um, it's just that, you know, it just, it what it really boils down, you just really have to think about terminology these days because it's never, it's not simple as a boy, girl, or a male, female. It's not simple like that anymore. And it's the words changing its meaning, it seems day to day, and it's just kind of like crazy to me, but it is what it is. Okay. Um, are those your final thoughts for tonight? Yeah, as far as my final thoughts go for tonight, yep, that's it. Okay. Well, Sean, would you like to leave us with some final thoughts? And, again, thank you both for participating. Sure. Um, one, I would just like to, um, I guess, my closing thoughts, being thanks to uh, Ariel as well as you, Scotty, for just – uh, being able to have this conversation and do it to where all parties involved felt open. I know sometimes um, reaching across the aisle is hard because it, it feels like unless under unless the environment feels safe, kind of get very quiet and kind of push to the back and kind of let the dialogue pass uh, pass by them because they have that fear of saying something wrong and getting attacked. And while I, I can never tell someone – um, who's of a part of, of a certain class of how to react when they get offended. I just feel like uh, I, I'm to some degree doing my part by by saying, hey, um, let's have this dialogue in the most effective way we can, which is allowing people to make mistakes, allowing people to say, 
hey, I'm not caught up on the way you're using that word. Can you please let me know how you're using it, and we can meet on the middle and see which definition is really most beneficial for the discussion. And just overall, I would just um, – just an observation of February, Black History Month, I just wish we would start um, opening up our idea of blackness and uh, the people we need to elevate and celebrate because a lot of uh, historical black figures, if we look deep enough above the surface of like a Martin or a Malcolm, you're going to find uh, trans people who uh, played a very massive role in um, just uh, forwarding progression and overall the idea of equality. And I think we need to just uh, all collectively just get a little bit more inclusive with our idea of equality and make that more inclusionary. But again, thank you for uh, hosting this conversation once again. Well, you're welcome, and, and thanks for participating. And hopefully this won't be the last conversation. I'm open to having conversation with anyone. Uh, most people know how to contact me through Black Talk Radio, um, but you can send me an email at blacktalkradiobaby at gmail.com, or you can text or call me at 704-817-2161 if you have a topic of discussion that you would like Black Talk Radio News to host then by all means contact me because I am not against talking to anyone. I have a very open mind, um, but I like to think logically. I like to to engage in fact-based conversations. I don't like to engage in emotional conversations. And everybody can't have these conversations, and they get emotional, you know, and that just leads to a breakdown in communication. So hopefully this won't be the last time. Um, I'm sure it won't be, um, but it's not like a topic that I want to exploit simply because, you know, people are tuning into it. No, I, I want to talk about it because it needs to be discussed. Um, I believe in, in a system of justice, a world that's based on justice. That's where no one, and I mean no one, is, matri- is mistreated, and everyone who needs help gets the help that they need. Peace and blessings to all. Be blessed out there and stay safe. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses.